I got five questions in here, and let's attempt to deal with each one of them. First question, what is wisdom? I and no I, is it different or the same? What is wisdom? It's a very broad topic. Wisdom, well, we can talk about it for a long time to deal with, to deal with it in detail, but just for the sake of answering these questions in say five or ten minutes. Let me throw you back a question. Is wisdom the same as intelligence? Well, when this guy is intelligent, we say, this guy is wise? He could be intelligent, he may not be wise. In other words, he could have a lot of intelligence, he may not have wisdom at all. It's very necessary that we have both. We must cultivate wisdom. Why did I say that intelligence and wisdom, they're not necessarily the same? Let me give you an example. A scientist who invented, who discovered, whatever you want to call, atomic bomb. Under his instructions, the nation built that atomic bomb. These scientists, are they intelligent? Certainly, they're not dumb. <laughs> if they're dumb people, how could they, how could they um, discovery or the building of an atomic bomb? But what, how did they use the atomic bomb? If they use it as a threat to another nation, if they use it as a means to occupy land, as a means to, to, um, to subdue a nation, like what Hitler was doing, in the Second World War on, 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 the, on the Jewish community, like what the Japanese were doing in the Japanese War, the Sino-Japanese War in China. These intelligent military tactics, but they were used in the wrong way to kill people, to damage the world. They're intelligent people, but they're not wise. They don't have wisdom. You need wisdom. So I say wisdom is in the, the favorable uh, or the, um, the moral sense of the word. And intelligence is this general intelligence. Make sure that you have both uh, and make sure that you know how to use your intelligence correctly. Don't use your intelligence to steal, to lie, to kill, to commit sexual misconduct. Let's bring out an example when we are chanting the Heart Sutra. What does the Heart Sutra say? The Heart Sutra is, what, what's the name of the Sutra? In the Chinese language, it's Bora, Bolo, Mi, Do, Xin, Jing. Bora, Bolo, Mi, Do. Bora, Bolo, Mi, Do is Prajna Paramita. In the Sanskrit language, it's a, a, a direct translation with the sound Prajna Paramita. What is Prajna? Prajna, paramita. Prajna means wisdom. What is pra? 
pra means overwhelming, extreme, prajna. A true understanding of the world, prajna, prajna paramita, that's wisdom. And with this wisdom, then you achieve paramita. So prajna, with this wisdom, prajna paramita. Jna is from the mindful understanding. Pra is going to beyond physical, going to extremely high level. So with this wisdom of the Buddha, what that the Buddha teaches, or that Guan Yin Pusa teaches, Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva teaches, you can attain Paramita. So that's called Parajna Paramita. Hiradaya Sutra. Hiradaya is heart or the mind. So Prashna Paramita, with this wisdom, wisdom is the essence of it. But with this essence, how do you make uses from it? Paramita is what? Paramita is going from this shore to the other shore. That's Paramita. The shore that we are in now is the shore of suffering. The soul of hatred, of violence, of disappointment, of fear, of depression, of wars, of earthquake, of tsunami, of sickness. You name it. This is the shore. You open up the newspapers and you know what kind of shore we are at now. This is the shore of suffering. We're so used to this shore. That's the reason why the Buddha said this is the world, the Saha world. Saha is a Sanskrit word. Sopo, Sopo, Sijie. Saha, what does Saha mean? Saha is endurances of suffering. We're ascension beings living in this Saha world. But we're so used to it. We're so used to the suffering. But yet we are suffering. We don't know we are suffering. If you know suffering, if you start to know suffering, Wisdom is gradually developing in you. So the first lesson to learn in Buddhism is to understand the world first. To understand the world, how, what kind of sufferings we have. With this wisdom, you can go from this shore to the other shore. What is this shore all about? What kind of suffering we have? Sickness is suffering. Birth is suffering. Aging is suffering. Death is suffering. Don't you have those? You have to die, you will be sick. Anybody who does not have to age, you'll be always young and beautiful. Anybody? Raise your hand. Even if you go for facial every day. <laughs> it does not matter. Even if you go to facial, do facial every day, or you have a plastic surgery once every three years, we want to go from this shore to the other shore. And this is the shore of suffering, suffering arising from departure of beloved ones. Your grandmom passed away. Your dearest grandmom passed away and you so miss her. She has done so much for you. You don't feel, you feel, you feel the agony inside of you. Isn't that suffering? Your beloved ones passed away, not just your grandma. Your parents, your brothers and sisters, your friends, did you suffer when they passed away? So suffering arising from departure of beloved ones. 
And what is exactly the opposite is suffering arising from cohabitation of hated ones. There are people who don't like each other. They still have to live with each other. Couples who quarrel all the time. Couples who are planning for a divorce, but they can't because they have children. They're bonded by the children, but they don't like each other. They hate each other. They quarrel every day. Suffering arising from divorces, suffering arising from broken marriages. Ah, oh, too many. Suffering arising from insatiable desires. When you're in high school, you want to go to a university, and um, your, your, your grade record is not that great. You want to go to the first class Ivy League, but you wind up in the second grade or third grade university. You don't like it. Everybody is passing SAT with flying colors, and you couldn't do it. You can only go to third grade university. You can't go to Harvard, to Yale, and that, that shadow hang on to you all the time. That's suffering. It hurts your image. Suffering arising from insatiable desire, like you want to be the CEO in five years, but after five years, you're still a clerk, and you don't like it. There's so many other sufferings. I don't have to continue. So this shore is a shore of suffering. Try to learn suffering first. If you don't even know you are suffering, you can start from anywhere. You have to understand what situation you are in. You have to position yourself before you can get that wisdom. The wisdom will carry you from this shore of suffering to that shore. What is that shore? The shore of enlightenment. The shore of freedom from suffering. The shore of happiness. The shore of eternal truth. Do you want to understand more about that shore that you want to go to? You can't get the answer today. It has taken me 45 years and I haven't got to that shore yet. And you want to get to that shore in a day? It may take you one year, two years. It may take me 45 years. However, don't underestimate yourself. You may have already built up a lot of knowledge on that. It just takes someone to open that key for you for the door. You already have a lot of causes built up to understand that. Now that key is being handed to you. Are you willing to open up that treasure of wisdom, that door? Open it. You see more. That's all in the Buddha's teaching. There is a saying uh, says, smart man learns from others' mistake, wise man learns from his own, dumb learns from neither. Is that related to what you're saying? Of course, yes. Who suffer? What brought about this suffering? Because you or somebody make that mistake. If you suffer now from certain thing, you won't say, blame the other guy for it. He gave me this. It's you, yourself, that make that suffering come true for you. You are creating your own destiny. Nothing comes up without a reason. This paper is here with a reason that is here. You are here today with a reason. You don't come here without a reason. You don't come here without a cause. We call it the, the Buddhist teaching of causality. And you have to study that. You have to know about it. And some people will ask, how does knowing causality help us? Okay, I understand the Buddhist uh, philosophy of causality. How does it help me? I'm working now and 
I want to make money and I, I, want to, I want to buy the house, I want to buy a Ferrari, I want to buy, uh, oh, I want to buy a million dollar house. And how does knowing causality help me? Can you relate that to your job? Can you relate, relate causality to your job? Let's, let's get a practical example. If you understand causality, how does it help you in your job? Let's be practical. No, we're not talking about spiritual now. How does knowing causality will help your job? We know that nothing happened without a reason. You want a promotion. You want to promote it. You want, you want to have a, a pay raise. Have you cultivated enough causes to justify for that pay raise? Did you work hard enough? Do you take extra courses? Do you have good, amicable human relationship? How do you react to your boss? How do you do your job? All these are the causes that will help you to become the CEO. Yet you're ignoring them. You don't care about them. You don't understand causality. If you understand causality, you will have been promoted. If you, if you really learn the Buddhist teaching, you've been promoted already. Don't think about a Buddhist teaching as simply a superstition. You are ignorant only. Not the Buddha, not the Buddhist teaching. Would you please explain what sexual misconduct means in practice? Does it just mean having physical unlawful contact or it includes unlawful thoughts, sensations, or um, lust, or ex exposing to, to graphics? Yeah, those are practical questions. What does sexual misconduct mean? Generally speaking, for layman, for upasaka, upasika, sexual misconduct, that means other than, a, um, other than a husband and wife relationship, if you have a relationship other than husband and wife relationship, that relationship will be, will be defined as sexual misconduct. In other words, if you have um, a third party, if you have a, a, a mistress, you have wife, but you have a mistress, or if you go for a, a, a one-night stand, for example, that would be sexual misconduct. Only relationship between husband and wife, that's acceptable. That's not sexual misconduct. Other than this, that it would be regarded as sexual misconduct. Okay, now that's a simple answer based on precept. However, you also brought up sensation and thoughts and sensual thoughts in you. If you have taken the Bodhisattva precepts, then it will be a little different. A Bodhisattva precept you have taken would require you to be more conscious of this sexual misconduct. In other words, if you have a thought, a sex, if you have a sensuous thought coming up in you, the first thought would not be classified as breaking of the precept. Because for example, you're a, you're a lady and you saw a, a guy coming in, he's handsome and tall and rich and you know, what not, and, and you, 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 you love him at first instance of, of, of seeing him. And you have some thought in your mind. Now, that's the first thought. But you know, oh no, I, I shouldn't have this thought. I already have taken my Bodhisattva precept. So you're not going to have a second thought then that would not be regarded as a violation. However, if you have a second thought continued, that would be a violation already, even if you haven't committed the sexual misconduct. So you must not have a second thought. Because we are sentient beings, we cannot prevent ourselves from having that first thought. 
here's a man, here's a woman coming in, uh, a beautiful woman, and this man all of a sudden have that sec sexual thought in that man, the first thought is not a violation. It's not breaking of the precept. But if you continue to have that thought, it would be. So for that reason, if you, if you, if you um, um, click onto uh, graphics in internet, if it, if it did it by accident, it shines in front of you in a monitor and you know that that's, that's, um, that's indecent and you eliminate it, that wouldn't be a breaking of precept. But if you think, oh, this is, this is attractive, and you continue to see, you continue to research more, and you stay on, hang on to it, it's already broken. I mean, you already have committed the, 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 the Bodhisattva precept. But that's a higher level. You haven't, you haven't undergone this, the ceremony of following the Bodhisattva's precepts. Don't, don't worry about it. As long as you haven't performed the actual misconduct, that will be fine. Because you are still in the action stage of uh, definition. You, have, you haven't done that behavior. You haven't done the action of sexual misconduct. You haven't broken the precept. But if you have followed the Bodhisattva's precepts, the second thought will be, a, will be um, taken as a breakage of the precept. You understand what I mean? Recently, because of these telecommunications, it helped us in learning, but it also, it also ruined us. It's just like um, the internet, the mass communications, telecommunications, has become so much improvement in there and so advanced that it's like a fire. It can be your master, it can be, it, it can be your, good, your good master and your bad servant. It can burn you. It can help you to cook like fire. Depends on how you used it. You gotta have that discipline in you. So you gotta learn the Buddhist teaching to build up that discipline. If you only benefit from it, imagine if you're only benefiting from it and not uh, committing uh, breakages or precepts by looking at that, how beneficial it would be to your life. Mostly at the workplace that is gossip and idle chatter. Before you catch yourself, you participate. Will continue meditation be the answer to remind yourself to stop before you start? I always know after, but then it is too late. You know after, it may not be too late, it depends on how late. So if you want to kill someone, for example, and before the killing, you know it's not late. If you know only after the killing behavior, then it's too late. So make sure that it's timely. It's just like when the, the meditator, a good meditator when he's meditating, I already have mentioned that, we always put a stick by, our, by the side of our seat, an actual bamboo stick. And when we first, first practice, we're meditating, and when a desultory thought comes up, it's like a snake, a sensuous thought comes up to you, you realize it, it's just like a snake coming out, opening its mouth, and before the snake bites you, you have to get that stick and hold the snake down. So this is how we learned. So we put the stick by the side and then we meditate. Oh, I shouldn't have that thought. And I, I touch, try to touch the stick. Just remind me to hold the stick's head down. 
So if you do this practice all the time, every time when the, when, when the snake, the zizzing snake is coming up, getting to bite you, you realize it before it bites you. If you realize it only after it has bitten you, you already get bitten. You have to know early. The earlier you know, the more saintly you are. Actually, if you know you're already on your saintly path to nirvana, in other words, you know that you've got to subdue that kind of thought. You know that you have to put that thought under control. You're already on your way to enlightenment. But, but only a few people out of a million know about this. It all contains in a Diamond Sutra. How to hold that snake down. How to control your mind. What is meditation? Is meditation about getting blessings from Buddha? Meditation is about how to control your mind. How to know your mind. What do you have? What, what are you consist of? The mind and the body. Every day, you're taking that bath to clean up your body. Have you taken any bath to clean up your mind? What kind of bath you require to clean up your mind? You only clean your body, but you never have cleaned your mind. That's the problem. Do you want to learn how to clean your mind? Come on Saturday. We'll tell you how. If you don't want to clean it, as long as it's not stinky, don't come to the temple. We can smell the stinkiness of your mind, <clears throat> not just of your body. You believe me, sometimes you can sense the filthiness of one's mind just by looking at you and feeling about your energy. You have that experiences. I don't need to tell you. Sometimes we look at a guy and we say, um, if we want someone to play the role of a scoundrel in a movie, you don't need to look for anybody. They right there. <laughs> he looked like it. <laughs>